This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Trust in the living God who's alive. He's real. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. We know money can't buy you love, right? It can't buy you happiness. It can't buy you time. But focus. Put your trust in the living God. He gives all your needs for enjoyment. Have you ever considered that you're rich? If you know and have a relationship with Jesus, you are wealthy. You have a knowledge and an understanding of a gracious and loving God. That's worth far more than money and the riches this world can offer. The material things in this life end up leaving you empty. But Pastor Eddie reminds you today that by being with Jesus, you're living a spiritual life of luxury and riches through Christ's salvation. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Revelation chapter 19 as he continues his message, The Good Confession and Fighting the Good Fight. He is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Again, very soon the world will know every king, every leader, every, every president, every world leader would know that he is king of kings, Lord of lords. It tells us that at the end of the book, in Revelation, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, it says, and he, speaking of Jesus, has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I did not purposely put this in bold letter. That's how it's written in the Greek, in bold in large caps. Verse 16, it says, who alone has immortality? In other words, he's not subject to death. Jesus is not subject to death. He died, but he rose on the third day. Man is subject to death. One day, we all know our birthday. We know it very well. We celebrate it every year. But one day, there's going to be another date that is not your birthday. It's going to be the end of your life. And only God knows that day. Only God knows that day. We celebrate the birth, and that's great. And we mourn at the end with the date, but that little dash in the middle that's on the tombstone is what's important. It would determine that what would happen when you're no longer alive, when your spirit leaves your body, when it goes before the Lord. We are subject to death, not the Lord. In fact, Jesus is not only uh, not subject to death, but he conquered death. When did he conquer death? When the tomb was empty. When he rose on the third day, which we celebrate that every day. <laughs> he said, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. Such light with which Christ surround himself in glory, that even, even the seraphims and the angels cannot, cannot look at at the Lord. You think about that. Heavenly eyes and the angels. Now, angels got Christ did not die for angels, okay? Angels have no soul. 
Christ died for you. That's why the angels, they study humanity. They study human. They're studying you. Why did Jesus, the creator who created me, is so worried about these people? They're blown away. But even the seraphims, even their eyes, when we get to heaven, we're going to have holy eyes. That's why you can't go to heaven in the flesh. You have to have a glorified body. Otherwise, you disintegrate if you stand before the Lord. You need a body like Jesus. Remember when Jesus appeared to the disciples when they were hiding after Jesus rose from the grave? You know, the disciples thought that they were, after they crucified Jesus, they were gonna, the Roman soldiers were going to go after them. And so they boarded up the, the windows and the doors, and then all of a sudden, they're just waiting there, and then poof, there goes Jesus. <laughs> he didn't have to break through. He had a body, a glorified body that went through the physical material, the walls. That's the kind of body you and I are going to have. It's awesome. You want to go to Venus? There you are. But you got to make it to heaven first. It's a glorified body. And Jesus says, touch my body. He said, for it is flesh and bone. And when we say flesh, automatically we say flesh and blood. Jesus didn't have blood because his blood was poured out in Calvary. We're going to have the same body. It's going to be a glorified body. And I know many of us, just like me, if you're like me, when you wake up in the mirror, you want that body like now. <laughs> I want that body. You know, I have to step on a stool. Yeah, I'll look good and a foot taller. <laughs> right? We're going to have that kind of body. But when the seraphims in, in Isaiah chapter 6, remember when, when King Uzziah died and there Isaiah was like, wow, where do I look? And he said, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he saw seraphims. They had six wings, two that cover the feet, two to fly, and the other two was to cover the face. God was so holy that the seraphims with six wings would cover their eyes the feet, to cover the feet, mean that they would humble themselves. And in the same way, this is the God that we serve. If we only knew, if we only saw Jesus on his throne, we see Jesus on his throne right now. That's why when John writes Revelation, you know, and he writes the book of Revelation, he, he realized, I, I felt as dead when he saw the glorified Christ. When he saw the angel, he thought he was something to be worshipped. He fell down. The angel wasn't an angel, actually. He said, hey, I'm a fellow servant like you. Don't bow down. Worship God. I like that song, If I Can Only Imagine. Because we always say, when I see God, especially the people who don't know God, they have no fear of God. It says, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell God, when you get to heaven, you're going to tell him nothing. You're going to fall flat on your face. They only know the glory and the power of God, but his eyes, we couldn't see him. And it says, to whom? Be honor and everlasting power. It's a doxology. It's a praise. And then he says, amen. Amen. Now we're going to look at verses 17 through 19, where Paul is going to uh, give, tell Timothy to command those who are wealthy, those who are well off, they're considered rich, that are in the church. You know, quite often when it comes to money, we always think the rich are the ones that are sinning. Uh, I disagree. I disagree. I say the poor actually sin more because the poor is going to want what the rich man has. The poor is the one that carelessly used their money to play lotto and have a dollar in a dream and think they could be a millionaire. The poor are the ones that covered what the rich have or not necessarily the rich, someone that has more. So we can covet. 
How many times we look at mansions and, wow, I wonder what it's like to live there. I used to do that. Don't get me wrong. Now I'm looking at, wow, that's firewood. When Christ comes and brings judgment, wow. All those are going to be left behind. Stay by that house. Why? Because there's a rich, no, no, that's going to be good wood to keep you warm. Now, Paul already condemned those who were attempting to, to, to be rich. Remember, those who wanted to be wealthy, we looked at that in our last study. And I look at verses 9 through 10. He said, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This is not only for the rich. This is for the poor. The poor desire to be rich and will give up anything to be rich. So it's not so much if you have or don't have. It's where your heart is. But here in the church of Ephesus, there are believers, because he's writing to believers. He's not going to write this to unbelievers who are wealthy, because what good would this scripture be to them? Remember the rich man who came to Jesus? Jesus, what must I do to follow the young, rich ruler? Jesus says, well, follow the commandments, right? He says, I followed him since I was a kid. He says, oh, you followed him? Well, give up all you have and follow me. He, the rich man left, disappointed because he has so much. And he said he followed the commandments, but he actually broke the first one. He didn't even make it a second base. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. His God was money. And so here's the command, verse 17. He says, command those who are rich in this present age, and obviously it's applicable for us, do not be haughty. In other words, don't be proud, don't be arrogant, don't be high-minded. He says, nor to trust in uncertain riches. You can't trust money, no matter how good you are with it, no matter how a smart investor you are, people lose money. So many people have lost, even committed suicide, stockbrokers, because their investment is gone. Can't put trust in money, whether it's a penny or a zillion dollars. Don't trust in it. Riches are uncertain. It's forever changing. People are forever losing it, whether it's stolen, whether it's been swindled, or you've been sued for it. It fades away. Do not trust in uncertain riches. Here's a couple of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 28 says, trust in your money and down you go. I'm giving it to you from the New Living Translation, by the way. But... The godly flourish like leaves in spring. Here's another one, Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. It says, don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. How many people do that? How many times you have to do overtime just to get rich? How many times you became a workaholic? You left your family, your marriage is on the rocks, and you don't know where, you, where your kids are. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. It's important to, you know, I praise God for conviction by the Holy Spirit. And I praise God that I, in my career as a police officer, I, you know, there was so much overtime. 
But I was never one to be known to take the overtime. Bad people would say, Panero, why are you not? It's easy money. You're just going to stand in the parade and look the parade go down. It's easy money. I, say, eh, I, I like to be at church. I like to be home with my family. Always putting it down. When they would order me, okay, I got to be ordered. I could easily find somebody who come to me. Hey, Panero, did you order you? I'll take it. <laughs> sure, take it. I'd rather be home. I'd rather be in ministry. Because the more you want, the more you keep wanting. You know, Jesus spoke about the foolish rich man. He gave a parable in Luke chapter 12. The rich man said, well, you know, I'm going to build greater barns. You remember that? I'm going to build greater barns and store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, once I've done all, I will say to my soul, I have many goods laid up for me for many years. Take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. At the end of that proverb, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verses 20 to 21, Jesus says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Money is not certain. Don't place your trust in money. You will lose sleep. You will even lose your your family. Your marriage will be destroyed. Put your faith in God. God will supply some of your needs. No, the Bible says you will supply all your needs, not wants. Wanting a mansion, that's not a need. It's a want. It's not a need. You supply all your needs. He says at the end, he said, but trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Trust in the living God who's alive. He's real. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. We know money can't buy you love, right? It can't buy you happiness. It can't buy you time. But focus. Put your trust in the living God. He gives all all your needs for enjoyment. So you don't have to worry about time. You don't have to worry about time. Save your money. You don't have to worry about time because God gives time. He created time. And we serve him. He's an eternal God. And so with him, you have all the time in the world because when you die, you shall live. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about buying love because we worship and serve the one who is love. And he gives unconditionally. He is love. You don't have to worry about buying happiness. Now, happiness, again, is temporary. It's based on circumstances. You could be happy you got a raise, but then be sad when you lose it. But we have joy and happiness through him, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, he says, let them do good that they Be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. You know, it's God who willed those who are doing well financially. It was God's will. It was God who gives. It is not your talent. It's not because of your great looks. It's not because of your degree. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is God's will that you have what you have. There was a man who uh, gave his testimony in a service once, and he gave his testimony how once he was poor, but God gave him a million dollars, so he became a millionaire. And as he was sharing how the Lord blessed him with a million dollars when he was poor, now he's rich. At the very end of the service, this old lady went up to him with a crooked finger, and it says, young man, 
God gave you that million dollars, but are you willing to give it back? Are you willing to give it back to God? John Wesley, he made this statement, and this is what he lived by. He says, do all the good you can by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And that should be for all of us, whether you have or don't have. You know, when you don't have... And you give all that you have. If you've been with us for almost 10 years, you know I'm not a prosperity preacher teacher, okay? But this, this is where we're dealing it. This is why I talk about it. Because it's here. It talks about money. We're to give even when we don't have. I used to use wisdom. If you only have $20 in the bank, you know, and you have put food on the table for your kids, you know, God's not going to say, well, you're going to give up that $20. Use wisdom. But give with a cheerful heart. Give willingly. The lady who had the two widow might, and, and, and in that time, in that culture, you know, they would have this container where they would actually put the money, these coins, in this box. And those that wanted to show off that they gave so much, they got the biggest coins because that's going to make the most noise. And they'll take this big half dollar, put it in there, boom. Oh, wow, that guy gave a lot of money. Nobody want to give the widow mic, you know, because that doesn't make that much noise. They would blow the trumpets. Hey, everybody, look what I'm giving. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, that's who I am. God loves me. God needs help in heaven, you know. There are people like that. The Bible says don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Don't even announce it to Pastor Eddie. As I come, I don't know, $50 brother for $500 brother. I don't know who gives. I know the finances of the church, bills we have to pay. I don't know who gives. It's between you and the Lord. Let's come in and pass the plate around. Because the one with the biggest bill will raise it up higher. The one with the lowest bill will go straight from the pocket, right, keep it down low and nobody can see it. Into the, it's between you and the Lord. That's why we don't pass the plate around. That's why it's in the back. It's between you and the Lord. But Give. So we're to give. If you truly have, he said, you want to be rich. Be rich in this. Good works. Ready to give. Willing to share. The more you hold, the less you will have. The more you hold, the less you will be trusted with. And there are. There are godly people. There are Christians who are wealthy. Smart men. And the reason why they're wealthy is because God can trust them with the wealth. How many people say, well, Lord, if I could, Lord, if, if I win the lottery, Lord, <laughs> I'm going to give you half. Let me win the lottery. Yeah, right. You won't even give a penny. You won't even help. Forget it. By the time they are rescued after you and you pay for your in-laws, the outlaws, whatever laws, and you, you have nothing left. God knows your heart. You're not going to share. You're not going to give it to anyone. God knows who you can trust with. But he knows the heart. Remember, we, we studied that in our last study. How learned, Paul said, to be content is something we must learn. We have to learn it. Verse 19 says, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. This is the good work. So you want to be rich in this? Give. Be ready to give so that it'll be stored. You lay yourself a good foundation. There is an old saying. It goes like this. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead through giving, through blessing. 
Because God knows, look, you cannot give God. I, there were times when we had Judy and I, we had nothing. We struggled. And you know, we remained faithful. Remain faithful. Even to this day, if the scripture calls us to give tithes and offering, Pastor Eddie gives tithes and offerings too. And if you're one that tithes, then I always open it up. Do you want to see if I tithe? And I don't care. You can see how much I tithe if you want. But you better be one that gives. If you don't give, don't be looking at my tithing offering. But then again, I don't want you to see what I give. I'll lose my reward in heaven. The point is that I too give because I believe and I trust in the Lord. I don't depend and hold my money. Now, Paul's coming to a close here, verses 20 and 21, but he closes with a warning and he's telling Timothy, listen, guard your heart, Timothy. Timothy, he opened up his letter. He said to beloved, he considered a beloved son of the faith. He was like a son to him. So look what he says in verse 20. He says, oh, Timothy, the oh. He said, oh, Timothy. It reflects Paul's emotional appeal to Timothy. Oh, Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Guard it. God has given you a talent, a gift. He's given you a ministry. Guard it. Guard the faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight for it. Guard it. Guard your heart. Guard your faith. Guard the calling in your life, your ministry. Guard the truth revealed in the letter, in this letter. Guard the word of God. Keep it to your heart. He said, avoid the profane and idle babbling and contradiction of what is falsely called knowledge. These false teachers think they have great superior wisdom, and they don't. Speaks nothing of the doctrine. Speaks nothing of Christ. Verse 21, he said, by professing it, some have strayed concerning their faith. Sadly, some have professed Christ and have been taken away by these false doctrines. That's the reason why it's here. Is it still happening today? Absolutely. It happens in every church, and it's happening to the churches today. People follow other people not following Christ. And in a lot of things, false doctrines and whatever it is, by professing that some have strayed concerning the faith, grace be with you, and all God's people say, amen. Grace, he ends with grace, because that's how the book started. It started with grace. Now, saints, now that we've studied 1 Timothy, all six chapters, now you know when it comes to matters of the church, the qualification of a deacon, elder leadership, how a church ought to conduct itself. Forget about tradition and all these denominations and all these religions. Look at what the book First Timothy has to say about it concerning church leadership. It's there in the scripture. Now you know where to go. Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's leading us through a study of 1 Timothy, a letter of Paul that's filled with practical tips for living and leading. In 1 Timothy 4, 15 through 16, Paul wrote to Timothy, Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Timothy was a young pastor who was mentored and taught by Paul and rose above many adversities. Maybe as you're listening today, you're a young person in a difficult situation. Don't forget these words of Paul. Consistent prayer and time in God's Word is not only healthy for you, but will save everyone who hears you. 
Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once again, that's runningtheraceradio.com. Once you're there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We would love to invite you to come and see us Sunday morning. And for those of you who are further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. Well, thank you for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time with Pastor Eddie right here on Running the Race.